Now, after all of this horrible stuff, definitely my views are more radical and uh, I don't tolerate anything Russian and I want to make it clear that it is not only Putin's fault, it is not only Putin's war, it is Russia's war. We hope you were here with us two weeks ago and heard this voice from Melania. Melania is a high school student who came from Ukraine two years ago. On February 28, 2022, war suddenly broke out in her hometown and her life was turned upside down. Everything changed. From afar, Melania spends a lot of time communicating with her friends and family and following old news about the war. During the interview, she went on nonstop for about 15 minutes sharing various horrifying and graphic war crimes that she learned of. Be cautious, this content contains extremely extensive descriptions of crimes that were committed. So the world is infuriated by the, um, the terrible thing that happened in Bucha. Yeah. Um, if you know any horrifying or tragic stories, could you share with the yeah. audience? Yeah, about the Bucha massacre, um... It is just, and it is horrible to say the least. There is not enough words to describe this terrible stuff. Um, Bucha is a small like town, like a more like a village actually in uh, near Kiev, in Kiev suburbs. And I was visiting it sometimes. Like I was there a couple of times because um, I had friends from there. So it's somewhere close to my hometown it's somewhere close to me and when russians invaded they uh, occu- they were not able to take kiev so they were not able to occupy the capital but they occupied those small villages uh, across the capital near the capital and people in villages were probably affected the most because all of this was occupied for about uh, months or even two months and uh, when it was occupied, people did not know what was happening there, so there was no like information what was happening on the occupied territories. We were all only like able to imagine. But then, when uh, Ukrainian armed forces liberated uh, those territories and moved Russians back to the east, just horrifying, absolutely unspeakable war crimes were uh, detected, like. Um, not only Bucha, but probably Bucha is something that affected me the most. And it's, um, you know, I feel like a part of me died there too, because it's um, just, I don't know, people uh, were found more than uh, a thousand people, civilians, just regular people that lived there, were found with their hands tied behind them, shot, uh, usually men were usually shot uh, and killed. Uh, A lot of women were raped, children were raped, everyone just, you know, people were living peacefully in this village, then Russian army came in and just started killing, raping and torturing everyone just everyone they don't care who it is so they were just like coming to people's homes stealing things from them uh, just you know i have actually i saved some stories 
to uh, read uh, not only from Bucha but just from like different war stories so I can read them right now. All of this that I'm gonna read right now is an official verified information. It's not something that people heard from someone. It's all real. It's all real. It's all an official information. So there are buses full of 16, 17 year old Ukrainian girls that have been raped, beaten and abused by Russian soldiers. They are so scared they can't talk to anyone, even their parents. They have bruises all over their bodies. Some have missing teeth. Um, some of the killed children have their hands tied behind their back. They tied children's hands behind their backs. Uh, girls under the age of 10 with severe um, damages, like severe um, damaged uh, from rape, like severe injuries from rape, uh, with damaged rape vaginas. There is, uh, yeah, so a lot of children, like, even from the age of two or three, like, girls, boys, like, even infants were uh, raped by uh, Russian soldiers. Uh, then one story from Bucha, uh, a family of mother, father, grandmother, uh, grandfather and a two-year-old daughter, they were found dead in the house. Men had their hands tied, tied behind their backs and shot dead. A daughter with a cut throat. Women had torn genitalia and were stabbed. And this was all done by Russian army. Uh, then Hostomel, also a small city in Kiev suburbs. Uh, a mother and a 16-year-old son. Boy was shot dead. Woman was being raped and beaten for over three weeks. She died of injuries. Then there was information that in Bucha uh, there was at least 25 women and girls uh, as young as 14 years old that were kept in the basement somewhere like in some school's basement kept in the basement by Russian soldiers uh, repeatedly raped for over a month a lot of them died there a lot of them are pregnant right now who survived um, yeah they were as young as like 14, uh, 16, a lot of those girls are now uh, pregnant. For example, there is a story of a 14-year-old Ukrainian girl who was raped by five Russian soldiers in Bucha. She is alive, she is now pregnant, uh, and um, she, I think she is in Poland right now, actually. She, under Polish law, it's actually also a very big problem problem that in Poland abortions are not legal so Ukrainian women and girls who come to Poland that were raped by Russian soldiers and who are pregnant they are not able to get a legal abortion there and it's a very big problem and it's just horrifying because how are you gonna give a birth to a child from a Russian occupier who raped you like this is just unhuman I don't know abortions should be legal and uh, Women, especially in the wartime, should have access to them. Then another story, a boy who was 11 years old was repeatedly raped by Russian soldiers in front of his mother. His mother was tied to a chair and forced to watch. He is alive, he has also severe injuries, he 
um, has not, I, I don't know what his situation is right now, but he wasn't speaking for a while, so he just wasn't speaking at all. But there, a lot of vic victims are now seeing like different psychologists and stuff like that. But this particular boy, he was not speaking for a while. Then another story, a young girl was getting raped in front of a house she lived in. Her mother like went out, saw this, started screaming. Her daughter said like, go back to the house, please don't watch, I will somehow manage this. And then the mother was also raped by another Russian soldiers. Then another story, two sisters just a few years apart, 19 and 21, uh, the younger one was being raped in the street, so Russian soldiers usually rape publicly, in just like in the streets or in front of parents, in front of children, they don't care. Um, uh, she was being raped in the street and her older sister, she was begging so Russian soldiers would take her instead of her sister, but I think they were all being raped. Uh, and then here are stories from occupied Kherson, because Kherson is a city in eastern Ukraine and it is still occupied. And in the occupied territories is happening absolutely horrific stuff, not only rape, torture and killing of civilians, they are there is no internet, there is no independent media, there is no electricity, there is a, like a crisis, there is no food for people, um, people are not able to leave. Russian army is everywhere, they're changing the currency, they're putting Russian flags everywhere. If they see someone with a Ukrainian flag on occupied territory, they're gonna either kill you or torture you or take you somewhere and God knows what's gonna happen to you. So it's very, very horrible and very dangerous on the occupied territory and Kherson is a pretty big city in eastern part of Ukraine that is still being occupied and a lot of stories from there are now being told because there is like a... a like 911, but it's like an emergency phone number that uh, a lot of civilians are calling in and uh, telling their stories that are happening to them and like asking for help. So uh, during the like f uh, 24 last hours, uh, Ukrainian officials received over 56 calls about what people have experienced and what people have lived through. Um, for example, uh, girls of nine years old were raped by Russian soldiers with severe genital injuries. It was all in front of their mothers. It was in front of their mother and she's still in shock and in horrible condition. Then uh, another story, a mother was uh, forced to watch how her nine months Year, like nine months, nine months old daughter. So it's um, an infant. It's a child. Uh, it's not even. She's like nine months. It's a little child. She was being raped with a candle by a Russian soldier. Uh, then a one-year-old boy was raped by two Russian soldiers. He died of injuries. Uh, another girl who is two-year-old was also raped by two Russian soldiers in front of her mom, she survived. Um, also some men are being raped too, like 
of, of all ages. Mostly, of course, suffer women and children, but sometimes men are raped too. Uh, yeah, so it's those stories is just a small part of what is happening. There are tons of these stories. It's like it's un unbelievable. It's um, there is a lot of mass rape and mass torture and just brutal killing of civilians, just regular people who live there um, just because they are Ukrainians. So Russians are doing it just because they have so much hate for us, or I, I don't know, I can't even imagine what is in the heads of Russian soldiers. These are not humans, I don't know where they come from, but before the war they were regular Russian citizens and they were all raised on Putin's propaganda and now they come to, our, to my country and do this to my people. Um, so those are just not humans and I don't know, this is just like a never-ending nightmare. All of the war crimes you could possibly ever imagine have been committed, all of the war crimes. The war is personally traumatizing to Melania and has reshaped her views of humanity and her own self-identity. How would you describe Putin's decision to invade? Uh, Putin does not recognize Ukraine as an independent country. He thinks that Ukraine has always been a part of Russia and it's there that he, he openly says that uh, like a nationality of Ukrainians does not exist, that we are basically Russians and that those who uh, like uh, are Ukrainian patriots, that those are Nazis and stuff like that. So he does not recognize Ukrainians as an independent nation. He does not recognize Ukrainian language as an independent language. He does not respect the sovereignty of Ukraine. He basically believes that, well, I actually I think that Putin is mentally ill, and a lot of people think that, because, um, I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious he is mentally not well, and the things that he is saying just don't make any sense, because Ukraine is an independent sovereign country, Ukrainians is an independent nation that has been oppressed for Russians for centuries, but Putin thinks that all of this territory should belong to Russia. So this is his main excuse. Uh, and the things that he's saying about Ukraine being Nazi, that there are Nazis in Ukraine, uh, this is just excuses he came up with. In reality, he just wants power over territory. And it, it's not only Putin, it's all of the Russian officials and just Russia, Russians in general. They want to wipe out the idea of even being Ukrainian. They want to, like, erase us completely. And after, like, the initial attack from Russia, did people start speaking um, Russian or Ukrainian in Kyiv? A lot of people in, in solidarity with Ukraine, uh, a lot of Ukrainians, because they started speaking Ukrainian, switching from Russian to Ukrainian, because... Um, for example, western part of Ukraine is mostly Ukrainian speaking because it's closer to Poland and it hasn't been uh, influenced by Russia so much. And eastern part of Ukraine and, and Kiev too, actually, it's central Ukraine, it's mostly Russian speaking. So a lot of people speak Russian because of years, because of 
a lot of years of, of forcible Russification and multiple genocides of Ukrainian people, uh, laws that were banning Ukrainian language, um, restricting Ukrainian language, and because of all of this, this a uh, lot of years of oppression, a lot of Ukrainians as a result of this speak Russian. And now uh, a lot of people started switching back to Ukrainian, uh, like reclaiming their identity, and I think it's really great. It's, it's a really good thing. And um, I am originally Ukrainian speaking, so uh, both of my parents speak Ukrainian, my grandparents speak Ukrainian, and uh, like at home, I always was speaking Ukrainian, but I was growing up in Kiev, and uh, all of my friends are Russian speaking mostly. They know Ukrainian, but they speak Russian like in regular life and with their parents. So it was um, awkward and weird for me to speak Ukrainian when they speak Russian. So I was switching to Russian all the time, like in my childhood, in school, in all of the public places. I was always speaking Russian because Ukrainian was um, considered, I don't know, um, not cool or I don't know, like all of the teenagers were speaking Russian mostly. Um, and I had a lot of situations when uh, I was treated differently for speaking Ukrainian in Ukraine and not only in Ukraine. Uh, yeah, so definitely this Russification was still a thing in 21st century and I was personally affected by it. And now I try not to speak Russian anymore at all. I still have some friends, my, maybe one or two, who haven't switched to Ukrainian. My friends from Ukraine, they are Russian-speaking because it's it's not easy, you know, when you speak Russian your whole life with your parents, it's hard to switch to another language. So um, I still speak Russian with them because it's kind of hard to like, you know, but I'm pretty sure that they will switch to Ukrainian soon too, or they will come to it. Do children, like, do they learn both Rus or Russian and Ukrainian? Ukrainian? Uh, so schools in Ukraine, our official language is Ukrainian, mm -hmm. and teachers in school, they speak Ukrainian, uh, but between the classes, children with each other and like teenagers, they speak Russian with each other mostly. And teachers, pro a lot of teachers speak Russian at home, for example, but the law requires them to speak Ukrainian and like teach classes in Ukrainian. So schools are in Ukrainian and it was always like an official language, but not the language we were speaking with each other. So, um, did you switch out of Russian back to Ukrainian because you wanted to like push out like your Russian identity? Uh, yeah, I try to um, not speak Russian anymore since the full invasion that Russia did and um, I don't want to associate with this language because this is a language of aggressor, this is a language of people who are killing us. In this language they are killing us, raping us, bombing us, so I think it's a really right decision for us to try to stop speaking this language. Um, yeah, I start. I stopped, for example, listening to Russian music, watching uh, videos in Russian, or um, stopped thinking in Russian. So I still speak Russian with probably like only one or two of my friends who are in Ukraine because they are Russian speaking, but. They try to speak Ukrainian more oftenly, 
I soon I want to fully like not as not be associated anymore with this language at all. How has this war shaped your views and beliefs? Uh, they became more radical. They were pretty much the same before the war, but now they were probably more like liberal before the war. You know, I tolerated Russian culture, Russian, um, like I watched some, I don't know, Russian influ- influences, YouTubers. So I was tolerating all of this. And uh, now after all of this horrible stuff, definitely my views are more radical and uh, I don't tolerate anything Russian and I want to make it clear that it is not only Putin's fault, it is not only Putin's war, it is Russia's war and Russians as a whole nation carry a responsibility just like Germans did during uh, World War II. Germans carried a whole like responsibility, their nation carried, uh, they they had to go through denazification and so Russians Russians have to do that too because it's a collective guilt, it's a collective responsibility. It's not only Putin who created all of, who started all of this and, you know, uh, other Russians are innocent because Russian soldiers rape children, kill civilians and bomb our cities. It's not Putin who does this, it's Russian soldiers. And, they're, uh, and their relatives in Russia, they are aware about all of this. Their Russian soldiers call their relatives in Russia, tell about what they're doing to Ukrainians, and their, their relatives in Russia, they support all of this, they encourage it. The, there was even a situation everyone was talking about recently that um, Ukrainian officials were able to intercept a phone call between Russian soldier and his wife, uh, uh, his wife in Russia, and his wife was telling him, go rape Ukrainian women, I allow it, just don't tell me about it, just use protection. So she encouraged it. So yes, I do believe that every Russian is guilty. And until uh, their government falls and until there is a big change in their country, their mentality is not going to change. So it's a collective responsibility. They, the whole nation is guilty. This whole country is guilty because uh, they have not been a, they have not been terrorizing us only when Putin was a president. They have been terrorizing us before Putin too. It doesn't matter what president is in Russia. It Russia will always terrorize us as long as this idea and this mentality of Russian people exists. They genuinely believe that we need to be erased, that we, you know, that Ukrainians do not exist, it's not a thing, and we need to become a part of Russia. You said that everyone in Russia was part of the problem. Do you think even the citizens, like... Yeah, of course, of course. Citizens support this war. Citizens... Uh, again, as I said earlier, relatives of Russian soldiers, they encourage them to torture Ukrainians, to rape Ukrainians. They are aware about all of this and uh, they hate Ukrainians so much. Uh, it's I even experienced it on myself a couple of times when I had some interactions with some of the Russian people in my life. So they hate us so much, they support this war. Of course, there is Ru- there are Russians who are against it, but it's, it's usually uh, very 
liberalistic view and not radical enough. They, those Russians who oppose this war, they usually just do it because of uh, sanctions and because they don't like Putin because there's a dictatorship. So Russians do not live in a free country. They don't have a right to go out on a protest. They, like, if you go out on a pro uh, with a banner, like if you have a banner and you go out with it in Russia, you're gonna get arrested immediately. So there is no freedom of speech whatsoever. And those Russians who oppose the war, they mostly do it just because they don't like living in these conditions, not because they want to see independent Ukraine, not because they support Ukrainians, just because of their own problems. So yes, I do consider all of the Russians guilty. Obviously, there are different levels of guilt. There are Russian soldiers who are raping and torturing and killing Ukrainians. Then there are Russians who are just being silent and supporting all of this. Then there are Russians who are uh, encouraging it. Then there are Russians who are propagandists, who are openly say that uh, we need to be erased. Uh, so there are different groups of Russians and there are different levels of responsibility and guilt. But still, it is a collective responsibility for what is happening. Um, the first time we contacted you, you said that you, you had a strong intention to raise awareness of the war mm -hmm. in the community. What have you done so far to raise awareness? Uh, yeah, so uh, me and some also Ukrainians that I know from Ann Arbor, we went to a lot of different protests and actions here in, in Ann Arbor in, and also in Detroit. We did posters, we protested... Um, yeah, I personally did some of the posters and I was just putting them around the city to raise awareness. I post a lot about the war. I, you know, donate, try to sign some petitions. Petitions, if, you know, I can't say that they're really helping, but it's still something to do. So I try to do as much as I can and educate people on what is happening. Yeah. A lot of people uh, support Ukraine. It's a big, like, um, it's almost like a big movement now. But unfortunately, a lot of Westerners they do not fully realize this the situation in Ukraine. They don't fully understand it, and a lot of, um, uh, unfortunately, a lot of leftists and not only leftists they, um, they are kind of brainwashed with Russian propaganda because, um, you know, Russia has a very, very strong propaganda that they are, like, using as an excuse why they invaded. They are telling that we are a fascist country, that there are Nazis in Ukraine, even though that's obviously completely not true. Our president Zelensky, he's a Jewish, originally Russian-speaking person. There is no fascist regime in Ukraine, we have democracy, you know, <laughs> the fascist country is Russia, actually, because it's a dictatorship and the country committing a genocide. So, but the Russian propaganda is very strong and um, unfortunately not only Russians are affected by it, but a lot of Westerners too. So it's not like, you know, America is giving us weapons, which is we are grateful for, but the population, like just American people, there are different people. Some support, some are confused what is going on, some just don't really care, some are, I don't know, apolitical, which is weird for me because 
this is more than politics. This is just you have to be a human to support Ukraine, I think. Um, and unfortunately, there are people also who are on Russia's side uh, and they are brainwashed with all of this. Uh, which is we I don't like saying on Russia's side because I think there is no sides. It's not like it's not a conflict. It's one country's aggression on another innocent sovereign country. It's a, a genocide of Ukrainian people, and it's not like there are two different sides and you can choose on whose side you want to be. Um, if you're on Russia's side, you're basically supporting fascism and genocide and yeah. Um, you mentioned Russian propaganda. Kind of talking about that. How do the people in Ukraine receive the news? Is it from uh, Ukrainian news sources, Russia, or like U.S.? Um, mostly, of course, Ukrainian sources, Ukrainian officials. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly Ukrainian sources. Of course, Ukrainians also um, can watch like American news. Like for example, I watch American news too because I'm in U.S. But Mostly it's Ukrainian officials, yeah. All of the Russian news is controlled by, controlled by Russian government. There is no independent media in Russia. It's a full dictatorship. There is no opposition. All of the news in Russia, they're super propagandistic, uh, you know, anti-Ukrainian. And just if you turn on and listen what they are saying, I can listen to that because I understand Russian. It's just unimaginable it's just i'm listening to this and it's just i can't believe that i hear what they're saying they're openly openly saying on their news channel news channels in russia that they need to erase the idea of being ukrainian they are openly saying this they're not even trying to hide this anymore so it's yeah russian news is fully controlled by kremlin and by putin um, earlier you said that Russia and Ukraine have had a long history. Um, how did the people, how did the schools in Ukraine talk about this history? Uh, oh, yes, yeah, so in Ukrainian school we have a, we have world history and we have Ukrainian history. It's two separate classes. And um, yeah, in Ukrainian history we learn the history of Ukraine. And also a uh, history of Ukraine is a history of its oppression mostly by Russia. Because before the Soviet Union, Ukraine was... Um, the territory of Ukraine was a part of the Russian Empire. And um, uh, Ukrainians were... It's I forgot how it's called in English, but it was a kind of a, a, a slavery. So mostly people in the villages, Ukrainian, mostly Ukrainians lived in the villages. They were slaves to like their owners who were mostly Russian. Uh, it was like in the time it was in the times of Russian Empire, and then after it was cancelled. Um, this regime, uh, Ukrainians were still oppressed, you know, um, Ukrainian language is official, it was officially banned uh, in Russian Empire, uh, you were not able to legally write in Ukrainian or publish in Ukrainian or anything like that, so um, definitely there is a long history of oppression and um, after the start of the Soviet Union, when Ukraine was captured in the Soviet Union, there were a couple of genocides of Ukrainian people committed by the Russian government. First is Holodomor, which I probably think a lot of people know about, is when uh, Stalin, who was a Soviet president at the time, he 
um, decided to take away all of the food and natural resources from uh, people in the villages in the Ukrainian territory and people basically starved to death. So over 6 million Ukrainians died in Holodomor. It was a created famine um, created by Soviet government uh, on purpose and over 6 million, actually I think it's much better, it's almost 10 million 10 million Ukrainians died in Holodomor. My great-grandma survived Holodomor, actually. And that's why a lot of um, older generations of Ukrainians, they really always appreciate food. They do not allow you to like throw bread away because their parents lived through Holodomor and they told those horrible stories to them and they they appreciate food a lot. Um, after Holodomor, um, there was such thing as executed renaissance is when uh, a lot of Ukrainian journalists, uh, poets, writers and other uh, people who were kind of like, you know, creating Ukrainian content, um, they were all sent to Siberia and executed there. And I don't remember the exact number, but it was a lot of people, mostly journalists, writers, poets. They were executing, they were sending to Siberia a lot of Ukrainians who were doing such stuff just to get rid of them. So multiple genocides, a lot of just horrible stuff. And Putin was not a president back then, you know, it was a Soviet Union. So it's the mentality of Russia to do this to us. And the U.S. now welcomes Ukrainians who have family members here. Do you expect family members or friends to seek asylum here? Um, yeah, I mean, I do I do know some Ukrainians in Michigan, but not the ones who evacuated since the beginning of invasion, just the ones who were living here for a while already. But none of my, uh, like, relatives plan to go to U.S. because it's far and usually, yeah, they're not planning really to go here. Do you think people in the U.S. are doing enough to help? Uh, the government is sending weapons to us, which is a Biden signed a link lease. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a good help. Um, but what can I say is that West can be helping much more, especially countries such as France and Germany are really disappointing me lately. So the West can be doing much more, but yeah, I mean, America is helping us. It's, it's great and we appreciate it. But people, like American people, uh, a lot of them uh, are not completely aware. And as I said earlier, a lot of them are really brainwashed with different Russian propaganda stuff. And uh, for example, uh, recently I was um, uh, putting some posters in the center of the city. And then a couple of days later, I came back to see if they're still there. And uh, some people like write something on it, on the top of it. Like um, usually it's just a brainwashed people by Russian propaganda and or they tell stuff like oh you're talking about Ukraine why aren't you talking about other countries in the world like Palestine or Syria and I always say that we should talk about all countries that are, are in war because war is always horrible but if I talk about Ukraine and you come and you start uh, saying that why aren't you talking about Palestine? It just means that you don't actually care about none of those countries because 
um, if you care about, if you really care about, for example, Palestine or some other countries that are also suffering from war and aggression, go and separately talk about them. Because if I see a person talking uh, about like Syria or Yemen, I'm not going to come to them and say, oh, what about Ukraine? I'm going to listen to them and give them their platform to talk. So people who do that stuff is just, um, I try not to... Uh, honestly react and uh, uh, to them at all because it's pointless waste of time do you have any plans for the future yeah i uh, plan to go to college in u.s i mean i will be trying to get to college here um i want to visit ukraine this summer and um mostly i'm in u.s for education to get my education here After that, uh, you know, I'm not fully sure about my future right now with all of the situation, but I would want to come back to live in Kyiv at some point because I've been a lot of in a lot of places in US and also in Europe just in general in Kyiv and Kyiv is probably the only city where I feel fully free and like because it's my home and uh, yeah, at some point I think I would want to go back uh, to live in Kiev, but um, to go to university in Ukraine in Ukraine right now is not really possible and it's hard and there are a lot of problems so I will be trying to get to college in US. Do you have any messages you want to share to our community? Yes, so uh, please support Ukraine in any way you can, you know, um, from what I said earlier it's just a very small piece of information, uh, you know, do your research about Ukrainian history because it, all of this did not just happen uh, out of nowhere. It's years of oppression that led to this horrific war. Uh, donate to Ukraine. There are websites where you can donate. If you can't donate, just simply, I don't know, repost, tell your friends about it, uh, tell those stories to people you know, uh, raise awareness in any way possible because unfortunately a lot of people are not aware of those horrific stories and I think that we should be sharing them more and to more people so they will know about it. Yeah, just um, please support Ukraine in any way you can. That's very important to me and just in general. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so yeah, much for thank your you. Um, I really, really appreciate it. This was a super long interview. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, was it supposed to be this? No, no, no. It's completely fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I really appreciate you caring. And this conversation with Melania was the heaviest and yet the most eye-opening we had done so far. We dedicate and honor this episode to all the victims of this and other wars who sacrificed their lives to defend freedom, those who died, and who lost their family and friends. To those who have been forced to leave their homes, who witnessed the evil side of human nature, we wish that someday we are able to return faith to the humanity we once knew. No man is an island entire of itself. Each is a piece of the continent or part of the mate. If a cloud be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as promontory were, as well as if men of thine own, or thine friends were. Each man's death diminishes me, for I am involved in mankind. Therefore,
Four, send not to know for whom the bell tolls, the tolls for thee.